This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. I kind of always knew it was going to take forever. And I was prepared for that. Like I could be 80 and still working on this and that would be fine with me. Welcome to Queries, Qualms, and Quirks, the weekly podcast that asks published authors to share their successful query letter and discuss their journey from first spark to date of publication. I am your host, Sarah Nicholas. I hope you're enjoying the show. If you are, please consider leaving a review on your favorite podcast app. Today, we're going to be joined by picture book author Kira Bigwood. Kira is an advertising copywriter turned children's author. Her debut picture book, Secret Secret Agent Guy, illustrated by Celia Crampine, released this spring from Athenium Books for young readers and received starred reviews from Kirkus and School Library Journal. Kira is a graduate of UNC Chapel Hill and lives in Chicago with her husband, three children, and their pandemic puppy. So please welcome Kira to the show. Hello. Hello. Thanks for having me, Sarah. Thanks so much for coming on. You are the second picture book author that I've had on. Oh, cool. But I'm excited because you're the first one with a query letter because the first one didn't have a query letter. Oh, awesome. I love query letters. So, <laughs> All right. So we're going to talk about your publication journey today. And we're going to start at the beginning. When did you first start getting interested in writing? And then how long did it take before you started getting serious about pursuing publication? Well, I'm actually um, a career writer. I went to school for writing journalism at UNC, and and I got a job in advertising as a copywriter. So my job is to come up with ideas for commercials and then write those words. So I've always been a writer, but it wasn't until I had my kids and I was reading them picture books constantly that I thought, maybe this is what I want to do in my next chapter of life. And of course, I feel like a lot of people say that. And then they're like, how hard can it be? And I admit I was one of those people. You know, I'm a writer. I read. How hard can it be? It's very difficult. (laughs) So once I finally took a class and got serious about it, it was probably three years of kind of like submitting and not really being ready to submit before I was like, okay, if I'm going to actually make this happen, I got to take more steps to make it happen. And so all told, I would probably say eight years at the picture book writing process before today. Can you tell me more about the moment that you realized you wanted to be a published author? You know, you wanted to see your books on bookshelves and everything. Yes. I um, went to my very first SCBWI conference here um, in Chicago. And the room was filled with people who all want the same goal. And there was a presenter who was just very honest. And she held up a sheet of paper like this. So you could just see like the horizon line. And she said, that's your chance of ever getting published. And I love a good challenge. I I was like, (laughs) you know what, like, it's going to be hard, maybe impossible. But I knew I wanted to do it. And so I set that goal. And so even if I, I never achieved it, I would still be trying today, for sure. So how did you learn more about the publishing industry, like how it works, how to go about it, how to query, how to do all these different things? I started with a class at the Newberry Library um, in Chicago taught by Esther Hershenhorn, which 
A lot of picture book writers know her. She's just one of those people that is a born teacher. And her class really taught me a lot. And she taught, told me about SCBWI and conferences. So after joining SCBWI, I also joined um, Julie Headland's 12 by 12 challenge, which is an online picture book writing group where you write a draft every month of the year. And you have submissions opportunities to agents through that. And there's also the biggest piece of it is a whole community building um, forum where you can ask questions, get answers. There's people at all different levels of their writing journey and then critique groups. So like befriending other people who are along for this ride and getting knowledge from them at their point in their journey and just attending as many conferences and classes as you can do. That's what I did. So then what happened? Can you break down for us your journey from then to signing your first book contract? Yeah, so I started submitting way too early, like most people do. <laughs> um, so it was years of getting rejections, and but some like, you know, champagne rejections that would really give me good notes on how to move my manuscript forward. And I did have a couple agents ask to see more work throughout that like eight year period until I finally got a book deal. And so those little moments kept you going. And then when they would fall through, it's obnoxious, but it's like, it teaches you something. So then I would go take a class or maybe I would like, you know, do some sort of intensive and try to like keep furthering my craft because clearly my craft was still lacking. So finally it was like eight years from the start of getting this idea of being a picture book writer. And I got accepted into the Rutgers University Council on Children's Literature Conference. It's a mouthful, but it's a <laughs> prestigious conference for picture book writers because, and, and Kidlet in general, because they only take a certain amount of people and you have to submit a manuscript to be accepted. Then during that conference, they pair you with an editor for the weekend and they go over your work with you and give you notes. And then you get submission opportunity after that. This was my third year applying when I got accepted, and I had previously sent what I thought were my best stories and gotten rejected immediately. And so this third year, I was feeling really like this is kind of like my last shot at this. Let me try something different. And I sent my what I thought was my worst story. And wouldn't you know, I got accepted. <laughs> so I really kind of took that as like momentum, like this is going to be a great opportunity. I may never get this opportunity again. So I'm going to go against every instinct I usually have and do the opposite and just see what happens. And, and by the end of that conference, I had an editor for my book, my first debut book. So it was awesome. So you said you tried for eight years. Do you know how many books you submitted and queried? Ten. Ten different books. Ten books mm -hmm. over eight years. Wow. Over eight years. Yep. And the Rutgers conference, this is my first time hearing about it. Yeah. How long is it like? you know, is there tuition or, you know, that kind of thing? Yeah. You, you pay a registration fee. I, I believe there's a tuition fee as well. It's just one day, but it's, it's in New Jersey. So people, whoever gets accepted, you have to travel to go there. But from the moment you get there, you're kind of put in with a mentor and they help you throughout the day. Interesting. Um, my, my mentor that I had, she's the one who I pitched her like five stories and and I almost didn't even show her this story. It was the very last one. It was like five minutes to go. And I was like, this is a brand new thought. Would you mind taking a look at it? And she, was, she did. And she said, this is what you should focus on. So then I left that conference and I 
worked on that story and I actually submitted it to a different editor who I had met at lunch that day. My story is about a kid spy and she had told me that she loves spy stories. So I was like, okay, she's the one I need to send it to. And as soon as I did, she wrote back and she was in love with it. So it was awesome. Awesome. It is time. Can you read your successful query letter for us? Yes. Dear editor, your mission, should you choose to accept it, sing along to my 192-word picture book, Lullabies for Spies, Secret Secret Agent Guide. This humorous bedtime story is the spy twist on the classic Twinkle Twinkle Little Star. Secret Secret Agent Guy working for the FBI on a mission from the top, Operation Lollipop. With walkie-talkies, night vision goggles, even a milk martini, Secret Agent Guy is equipped to handle anything. And everything is going according to plan. Until it isn't. Will this 007-year-old complete his covert operation, or will he be outsmarted by an adversary he didn't see coming? This book is the first in a series of lullabies for spy-loving kids in which I have two other completed manuscripts. In addition to being a 2018 Rutgers one-on-one mentee, I am also a member of SCBWI and Julie Headland's 12 by 12 Challenge. I work in the advertising industry, writing commercials for social media, television, web, print, and radio. While I'm not an illustrator myself, I've spent years brainstorming side-by-side with art directors. The result is a visual and wry voice that stands apart. I've chosen to submit to you because of your interest in quirky, humorous picture books and because you mentioned you like spy stories to me at the conference lunch. I would love to partner with someone who recognizes and appreciates a distinct and conceptual writing style. Thank you for considering my manuscript through RUCCL. I look forward to hearing from you. This letter will self-destruct in five seconds. Sincerely, Kira Bigwood. That is adorable. Thank you. She said to me when she got it, she said, you had me at this letter will self-destruct in five seconds. So (laughs) I feel like anytime you can kind of piggyback on your book concept in your query letters, you should definitely do that. Yeah, it definitely shows some kind of voice, some like tone that is applicable to the book. Yes. So how has your experience been since signing that contract? Especially have you felt like you had any surprises along the way? Well, yes. I mean, I the experience was kind of underwhelming at first because it's such a long process, right? So I signed the contract and then my book didn't come out for two and a half years. <laughs> and that's just kind of how it is in the publishing world. It was a nice um, experience working with my editor. She gave great feedback and that was easy to get through. The surprises that I learned was I didn't realize how much you really have to promote your book yourself once it came out. Simon & Schuster is the parent company of my publisher. And so I kind of thought, well, you know, there'll be a lot of promotion. I'm realizing that I am literally the lowest man on the totem pole. Mm -hmm. But I am not the kind, even though I work in advertising, I'm not the kind of person who's really comfortable promoting myself so blatantly. But really, that's kind of what you have to do. So that has been something I've learned along the way. Also, the importance of making connections, which I know in any industry, it's the same thing. It's kind of like who you know is really helpful to your success. And it's the same thing in publishing and even in just your your writing journey, you know, making those connections, whether it's fellow writers at conferences, your local bookseller, your local librarians, 
all that goes a really long way to helping your book become a success once it's out. I'm glad you mentioned that because I was actually thinking about this last night about how some writers will say, you know, who you know is so important and it can really make a difference in your career. But a lot of people say it as like a negative thing, but networking is something that you work on and you continue working on. And it's not something where you just happen to know all of these people, right? It's it's another skill. It's another resource that you have developed for yourself. So sometimes it gets critiqued as if like, oh, you just magically know all these important people. So therefore you're going to have more success, but that's not the way it happens. It's still work yes. to make all those connections. Absolutely. Yes, for sure. Since I have you here and a lot of people ask me this question and I don't work in picture books, so I don't know. You are an author, but not an illustrator, correct? Correct. So what is that process like when you pitch a book that doesn't have illustrations? What happens at that point with a publisher? So, right, you just submit your manuscript. And then once they like your manuscript, um, you will do edits. Your editor will send you suggestions just on the words. And if there's anything that has to be conveyed to the illustrator, you can put it in an illustrator note. But it has to be something that is absolutely important to the story that hasn't been written in the words. They don't want you, you know, giving all kinds of art direction. So then once that happens, you start to get the um, rough drafts in from the illustrator and the editor might give some notes like, you know, these are rough. I'm thinking this, this, and this, what are you thinking? I, at least in my experience was welcome to give a few notes. Um, and I don't mean like anything like, I don't like this style, but, it, but something like, it would make more sense if the line was broken a certain way or, you know, there, there was something that was not quite making sense with the storyline with the way they had done the illustration. So something like that you can give feedback on and then you, you get revised stuff and that's kind of it. And in the beginning, you know, my editor did ask me dream illustrators, give me your list, you know? And so of course I did. And we aligned on the kind of style that we were looking for. So you, you will have that kind of conversation with your editor and then in the end, they ended up picking someone without, you know, I had never heard of this person or seen her work. But when she sent, when my editor sent me her portfolio, she said, this is who we're going to go with for these reasons. And it was better than I could have ever imagined. Better than my dream illustrators that I had chosen. Her work was literally perfect for this book. And that's why publishers have been in business for so long. They know <laughs> what they're doing. Even someone who considers herself, you know, my mom is an artist, my dad's an architect. I went to ad school, I worked with art directors. So I feel like I kind of have a pulse on the visual, even though I'm a writer, but still they know, they know more than me. You got to let the professionals do their work. And then after that, when the book comes out, it's kind of funny because Celia is in Canada, I'm in Chicago. So we don't really have an opportunity to meet, but she was so sweet. She came to my virtual book launch popped in on that and we talk over um, social media. And so, you know, I would love to work with her again one day. We'll see what happens. Mm -hmm. So the publisher is kind of responsible for finding and hiring the illustrator. Exactly. Yep. Yep. And they really, they would never want you to submit anything with an illustrator unless you have, unless you're best friends with a famous illustrator, you should never even really suggest like illustration styles or try to come in as a team. They want you separate. Mm -hmm. Okay. It is time for the quick round. I call it author DNA. It's just fun little classifications that we kind of put writers in. Great. 
First question, are you a pantser or a plotter? I don't know if this counts for picture books. <laughs> well, you know what? It's so funny because I've heard this question before and I literally had to Google what a pantser was. So I'm definitely <laughs> a pantser. I just go by the seat of my pants. Plot is one of my weak links in my writing. So yeah, I'm not a plotter. Do you tend to be an overwriter or an underwriter? I think I'm a bit of both. Um, my final drafts are probably underwritten and my first drafts are probably overwritten. Do you like to write better in the morning or at night? Well, I would wish I could write at night, but I have three small children. <laughs> I have a day job. I have a puppy. Now at least the kids are back in school, but by the end of the day, I'm totally done. So I've been getting up at like five, doing the 5 a.m. writer's club thing, checking in on Twitter and that has been my most productive when I can pull it off. So yeah, morning for sure. When you start a new story idea, do you typically start with the character first, plot first, concept first, something else? Concept for sure. My advertising background, that's how we were trained to come up with new ideas. And so that's what I draw from when I sit down to write a picture book concept. Hmm. Do you prefer coffee or tea? Neither of those, but I love Coke. Good old fashioned Coke, not diet, regular Coke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've had a couple of uh, soda fans. Yeah, it's not good for you, but <laughs> it does, gets the job done for sure. When you're writing, do you prefer silence or some kind of sound? When I'm writing, I like silence so that I can kind of read it out loud to myself as I write. But when I'm concepting, I need background music. And I try to, nothing with lyrics, but I try to pick something instrumental that matches the tone of whatever story I'm working on, just to kind of set the tone, set the mood. When it comes to writing the first draft, are you more of a get it down kind of person or a get it right kind of person? I wish I was a get it down person but I am a get it right person. I'm still like my next manuscript that my agent is waiting for has been waiting for for months. It's still I haven't gotten to the end yet because I'm still <laughs> trying to get it right. So one of my um, favorite picture book authors, Stacey McAnulty, she says, just get it down, get first draft down, aim for that every time. And she has so many books out. And so that might be the key to having more than one book. So <laughs> maybe one of these days I'll try it. What tools or software do you use to draft? I'm just a pen and paper girl. And then uh, I'll use Word, Microsoft Word. Do you prefer drafting or revising more? I prefer revising more, I think, because the hard work has been done. And now it's just like getting it to shine. Do you write in sequential order or do you hop around? You know, I usually am in sequential order, but sometimes there are those times where you figured out the ending and so you kind of work backwards or maybe you know something that's going to go in the middle. So you kind of put it there, but you leave all this white space around it. It's funny because Tara Lazar is the other picture book author that I've had. Oh, she's awesome. Yeah. Uh, in Little Red Gliding Hood, she had one specific thing in the middle that she knew she wanted. And so she wrote both forwards and backwards from that midpoint. <laughs> yes, I have definitely done that. And final quick round question. Are you an extrovert or an introvert? I would say I'm an introvert, but I fool people. I, I'm one of those fake it till you make it. So a lot of people don't realize I'm an introvert, but yeah, I'm an introvert. The show is called Queries, Qualms, and Quirks. So we're going to talk about that second cue now. What were some of the worries that you had on your journey and were they realized or did you overcome them or how did they shake out? One of my first worries was just, 
is my editor going to have a lot of changes to make? She had bought the story, but she said there would probably be changes. And so, and some of the things she had mentioned, I was starting to worry about like, will that change the story? Will that change, you know, the whole idea? And then how it shook out was she actually didn't even need to make those changes, you know, so that, that worked out good. And then after that, there were some times when the illustrations started coming in and some of the things that I was seeing was actually changing the meaning of the story so that my words would not now making sense on like in one spread in particular. And my worry was, okay, I'm a debut author, brand new. I do not have any right to like question or complain or be the squeaky wheel. I did not want that label, but I felt like I needed to say something about this one spot in particular. But I was worried. Would my editor blow me off? Would she be annoyed with me? Would she never want to work with me again? <laughs> so I talked to my critique partners and they encouraged me to speak up. And this is your book, you know, too. And you need to make sure it's done. You know, the finished product is what, something you'd be proud of. But then I still, still was too chicken to say anything. And then I talked to my agent and she said the same thing. Mm-hmm. And she actually helped facilitate the conversation because I had actually said something in email and during the pandemic, the emails were just overload and it kind of got lost in the shuffle. So to speak up a second time, I felt really nervous and my agent is awesome, Jenny Dunham. And she set up the conversation. And of course my editor was like over the top, like understanding. She wanted me to be happy. We came up with a solution. I just had to change basically one word in my copy and it worked out. Mm-hmm. So something that I learned there was just like, even if you're feeling like, you know, you shouldn't be speaking up, if your gut is telling you, then you, you should. And everyone is nice in this business. So it'll be fine. Yeah, I think uh, especially newer authors are often afraid to speak up. And I also, in my experience, the ones who are worried that they're going to come off as needy are not the ones that are needy. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> So true. Now we're going to talk about that third cue. Do you have any writing quirks? Is there anything about your writing process that you think is kind of different or interesting or unique? Well, I will say that I'm a writer, but I usually start by drawing and my drawings are never going to be in a book. I'm not an (laughs) illustrator. I'm not talented, but I am a visual thinker and I need to kind of map out what I'm, what I'm seeing with my words. And so I will just have a book of thumbnails and even if it's stick figures, you know, it helps me to figure out what I need to say in certain spots that. And then also my advertising background. Again, I have a lot of experience writing TV commercial type scripts and, and radio scripts. And sometimes I think that really helps me figure out a, how to keep things short because in a commercial you have 15 seconds, maybe 30 seconds to say what you need to say and tell a full story. If you're writing a billboard, you have seven words and that's it. So that has been helpful figuring out where I need to cut and and what needs to be said. When you were in the lowest parts of your journey, like in that seventh or eighth year of querying, querying that ninth or 10th book, what kept you going and why did you stick to it? What kept me going was the little bits along the way, the little close calls, the agent requests. Um, I was like a runner up for um, a mentorship with an author, Laura Gell, who's an amazing, accomplished picture book, um, board book, everything writer. She probably does everything. And 
positive reviews on some of my um, some of my manuscripts from you know people at conferences that kept me going. But really, I am just one of those people. When I set a goal, I'm going to stick to it, even if I never reach that goal. I'm going to stick to it. So I kind of always knew it was going to take forever. And I was prepared for that. Like I could be 80 and still working on this and that would be fine with me. Or it might never work, but I would still be trying. That's nice. Do you feel like you made any mistakes along the way that you would maybe like to warn listeners about so they don't make the same ones? Yes. The submitting too soon is the big one. Because there's really, you're just wasting your time and you're wasting um, agents and editors' time when you're not really fully prepared. So even though it's really annoying because everybody wants to get out of the gate and just see what people have to say about your work, save that for conferences um, when you might have an opportunity to bring, you know, workshop a story or critique groups and really take the time to focus on the craft. Really, 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 truly. I mean, like I would say have five good picture book stories that you, know, you think are perfect before you start submitting because mm. you just learn so much along the way. And now when I look back at what I first submitted, I mean, I'm like literally cringing, like somewhere out there, <laughs> it still exists in someone's like email trash and uh, that one. And then just kind of like not prioritizing um, the making connections piece, like as an introvert, and especially when I first started out. I didn't know anybody in this industry. I go to conferences. I wouldn't know anybody. And I would let the anxiety get the best of me. And I would go and I would enjoy the conference, but I wasn't a full participant. I wasn't getting everything out of it that I could. And so just thinking back, it's like, wow, I wonder if I could have gotten here sooner if I had really taken the steps I needed to make those connections, um, take all the classes, prioritize all that groundwork instead of prioritizing the manuscript. You kind of already did this, but just in case you have another one, can you share with listeners one of the most important lessons you learned on your journey to publication? Yeah, for me, it was the power of taking an opposite action. Being opposite Kira that weekend at the conference really showed me that when you're in a rut, sometimes you just have to shake things up, even if it's totally uncomfortable for you. Like I did not want to go up to all these people and start conversations. I mean, the thought of talking to an editor at, at a conference lunch, I would have never done that ever before. But I really forced myself. I said, you're going to do it because it's the opposite of what you would do. So do it. <laughs> and if I hadn't done it, I would have never known that Alex Corbolo, the editor of my book, like spy stories. And I would have never submitted it to her. And I would have never had this book out right now with this illustrator and this publishing team. It's it's to try something new. You know, if you usually submit only to agents, try submitting to smaller presses. If you usually write in pen and ink, write in pencil and crayon. It, you know, if you're usually really critical of yourself, try being kind. It's It's literally taking an opportunity to try doing the opposite and just see see, feel that momentum and that magic will happen. And then once you have those magic moments, think about what you learned and, and apply that again the next time. Yeah, that's great. I love when writers encourage other writers to try new things, because I feel like sometimes they get this advice. that's like, you must do it this way. And they think, well, I have to do it this way. You know? Yeah. Trying new things can definitely shake, shake you out of a rut. I call this the acknowledgments section of the podcast. 
this is not a business that most of us succeed in completely on our own. So who are some of the people or organizations who helped you along the way and how? Definitely Esther Hershenhorn, um, because she's the one who really taught me what I needed to know about starting in this business. And then SCBWI, of course, and Julie Headland's 12 by 12 challenge for the community and support. They're just amazing. If you're a picture book writer, you need to be a part of that group. My critique partners, especially uh, Jess Polarski, who started with me in Esther's class. We were brand new newbies together and we've stuck together the whole way. And my agent, Jenny Dunham, who's been a great support and the whole team that worked on this book, Celia, the illustrator, Alex, the editor. Um, There's so many other people that went into making the book. It's such a team effort. And that's something that you also learn is like, you're just one small really role in making a picture book. And that's okay because everyone's efforts come together to make it even better than you could imagine. Yeah. So thank you, everybody. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Kira, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your story with everyone. Thank you so much for having me. It was a lot of fun. And I'll get that 12 by 12 info from you so I can put it in the show notes. So if anyone's interested in checking it out, we'll link to it there. Okay, great. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Queries, Qualms, and Quirks. You can find the text of Kira's query in the show notes, along with links to find out more about her and her books. If you enjoyed the show, I'd appreciate if you'd help me find new listeners by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts or Podchaser, telling your friends, or sharing this episode on social media. If you're interested in supporting the show, go to patreon.com slash pubtalklive. And if you're a published author interested in being a guest on the show, please click on the home base link in the description or go to sarahnicholas.com and click on the podcast logo in the sidebar. That is Sarah with an H and Nicholas with no H. Thank you so much for listening and we'll see you next time.